Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. Yep. And uh, if you guys see me in the street and I'm kind of walking funny, it's because I'm still getting crammed. <laughs> I'm still getting crammed, bro. Yep. Me and the homie Oscar hanging out on the regs. He's cramming me. It's all right. It's 2022. We don't judge. <laughs> People can have relationships with trophies if they want. That's true. Especially the fucking, uh, well, not the Grammy. Well, you can, you can fuck a Grammy. I'll stick my dick in a Grammy. <laughs> it's practically asking for it the way it's got its mouth all open. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> it's like looking at me like, oh, are you going to put your dick in me? And I'm like, you know, I am. That would be great if someone accepted their Grammy on stage and then immediately proceeded to fuck it. <laughs> fuck its mouth. I like to thank God and my parents while they're fucking the Grammy. Yeah, just doing that. Everyone's like, oh. yeah, yeah, man. You, you know what you can't fuck is the goddamn, um, what is the TV one? Um, and it's like, it's like an angel holding a, a globe. Oh, oh, the Golden Globes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what, is that what, oh no, the Emmy, the Emmy is the one where it's like an angel and it has like that sharp pointed wings that come up and it's like holding a, cause I think the golden globe is a golden globe. The Emmy is the one with, yeah, the wings and the globe. Yeah. That is not a very fuckable statue. We should, mm. you know what we should do at the end of this episode? We should rank our favorite like awards within media, uh, based on how fuckable they are. Number one, the MTV Music Award. <laughs> yeah. Number two, the MTV Movie Award. <laughs> um, I wonder if anyone's ever carved out the middle of an MTV Movie Award and stuck their dick in it. Because, you know, it's a popcorn bucket. Yeah. Oh, man. Popcorn trick. The, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. It's just that blimp. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude. I mean, you can get fucked by the blimp. Yeah. It's fuckable. I'd say the Oscar is probably the most fuckable because, you know, you can shove it up your shove it up your coochie or you can shove it up your fucking bussy. I was going to say, yeah, he's he's in like he's in the position you would be like if you were on like a like a like a water slide at like a water park, like one of those body slides. You have to cross your arms and like, yeah, really, yeah. really compact. Yeah. So um, definitely like aerodynamic for that. You know, the trophy definitely there's a good amount of uh, like slippage, I guess. You know what? You know what? I have a fun game we're going to play at the end of this episode. I just came up with it. So I'm going to look up 
every actor and actress who's won an Oscar and we're going to guess which one of them is most likely to have shoved the Oscar either in their butthole or pussy. Okay. I'm not sure if that's a game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'd be fun for me. Every Oscar winner ever. I was going to say, that's that's just fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who do you think? Do you think Francis McDormand did it last year? (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's a I real do. recent thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was definitely Anthony Hopkins last year from The Father. <laughs> he he seemed kind of surprised that he won, so maybe he was just like, "Well, I wasn't expecting to get this, so what am I going to do with it?" He's like, "I don't know what to do with it. Maybe I'll just sit on it." Yeah, that's that's what he did. Oh, there's got to be a way to figure this out. We got to start getting like actual people in Hollywood to come on the show. We'll just ask them that. Sorry, like, listen, we know you're an Oscar winning actor. Have you tried inserting it into your body? And then the radio silence. <laughs> Click. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. But getting off of off of, of whatever this is, <laughs> whatever subject this is, this is. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're doing our Oscar cram. We're, the boys are back today. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hitting a little bit of uh, the power of the dog, power of the doge, and the diggity dog, <laughs> power of the bold diggity dog, um, power of the doge coin. Yeah, oh yeah, that was a little bit of twenty twenty one. Yeah, it got powerful. It yeah. actually did. Um, and then we're hitting a little bit of licorice pizza. Hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about this episode. Very excited about this episode. And uh, I was trying to think about this because Licorice Pizza was hyped, you know, for a while. And I, I know I was really excited for it. Did we do a trailer park on it? I can't remember if we did or not. I don't I don't remember if we did. I know this is as much as I know going into, um, you know, Paul, Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson, big fan. Um, you got Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meg and I referred to this movie as Nipple Pizza. Up until its release, because like all the posters are like her in like a just like a tight tank top or whatever, and it's just like nipples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just call it nipple pizza in our house. Okay. <laughs> in our household, you gotta call it nipple pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That being said, I would eat a nipple pizza. I mean, that's basically what pepperoni is. You look at it from oh, far. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever? ever be out with somebody and they got those nice crispy pepperoni nipples <laughs> when you're out with someone <laughs> yeah you're out at a Chili's or something yeah you're sharing a two for 20 at Apple Bay's mm-hmm. I'm just what's like more insulting like to tell the chef that his pepperoni looks like nipples or to tell someone that their nipples look like pepperoni <laughs> Depends on the chef and depends on uh, depends on the uh, the person who with the pepperoni nipples. Yeah, depends on how much if they they're like Italian. Pepperoni. They should expect it. Oh, yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you see House of Gucci? I did not. Speaking of Italian nipples, yeah, I did not see House of Gucci. That was my favorite segue ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I did not see it. Now, the reason I brought it up is me and uh me and Brianna watched it the other night and um 
the consensus that I heard from everyone about that movie was just uh, it's a it's a good movie. It's solid, but like the people, you know, you look at the actors, the actresses, the director, like the story. It just it should have been a lot better than what it actually is. Yeah. It, it's it's just a a good movie. But I was gonna, I was there was a few people I was really excited to watch in the movie, and one of them was actually Jared Leto because I was just like, I want to see what he's gonna do with this character. He does not look like himself at all, and uh, basically the whole movie, <laughs> he's he's just doing an impression of Mario. Like, <laughs> I, so I've heard. I did, I did not think it was good at all. He's just like. Oh my gosh, my, my name is Apollo. He does a boo boo, and I was like, "Oh God!" Like, and uh, I was like trying yeah, to like, give. Man, it, I really did something there. I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt for a while, and Brianna eventually was just like, "This is not good acting." Like, from multiple people, and like Lady yeah. Gaga's accents all over the place, and I was excited to watch her also, and and then yeah, man, that sex scene. That sex scene happened. It was really over the top. Oh, there's a sex scene? There's a sex scene that everyone was like talking about. Like, it is crazy. And then it happened. And it was it was pretty uh it was pretty ridiculous. But the thing that got me was that it's like three minutes long. So it was, it was like it was like ridiculous the whole way through, but eventually halfway through, I was just like, it's still going. Yeah. That's like, always what? fun. Yeah. But um yeah, I was I was just wondering what your opinions were on Jared Leto's uh, Mario impression, but he didn't see it, so yeah, guess I gotta we'll, get around to that maybe or maybe not. <laughs> guess we'll have to go back to talking about pepperoni now. Yeah. So, anyways, pepperoni nipples. <laughs> now we got two movies to talk about. Obviously, not doing a trailer park because we're cramming. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, should we just like fucking jump into it? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Let's just uh, let's just get into it. And, you know, the last episode we did, we talked about what movies were nominated and which ones we were surprised about and stuff like that. And um, honestly, neither of these movies were big surprises for me that they were. One I expected, the other one I was hoping that it was going to be nominated. And uh, you know, we'll we'll get into that. But I think the this was on a lot of people's uh, radar what they assumed was going to happen. And which one do you want to start with? Because one of these has the most Oscar nominations of any movie this year. Um, I think you're thinking, you're talking about Power of the Dog? Yeah, Power of the Dog has, I think, 12 Oscar noms, which is the most by a movie. Dune is actually number two with 10. Interesting. Yeah, um, let's talk about Power of the Dog first. All right. Well, Power of the Dog, written and directed by Jane Campion, and uh, it's been a minute since she's made a movie. I think her last movie prior to this was like over a decade ago. It was, yeah, Bright Star came out in 2009. Um, so it's been a while. I do, th- like, I've heard, you know, in interviews and stuff, though, that uh, she definitely picks her movies wisely. And apparently from an acting standpoint, it is a privilege to work with her, I guess, uh, everyone that was involved in this movie was like so blown away by her process and making you, you know, feel a certain way on set. So um, very cool that she's doing something again. And this cast, another one, like this doesn't have a ton of players in it. There's mainly four main people in this movie, but the more and more that I watch Jesse Plemons, the more my more I like him. And this movie's mainly Benedict Cumberbatch is the main character, Phil 
Kirsten Dunst is in this movie, which I thought it was really cool to see her in like a good dramatic movie. Um, Cause I think so many people just assume like, Oh, she's Gwen or not Gwen Stacy. She's Mary Jane. Like, you know, she's in those type of movies um, in Jesse Plemons. And then uh, Cody Smith, Miffy is Peter, mainly those four. And I'll tell you this, um, this movie also, you know, similar to uh, kind of a nightmare alley in some ways, this was not what I was expecting it to be um, because I was kind of late to seeing this movie. And when I finally saw it, uh, the idea going into it was people were just like, like, yeah, it's uh, like Benedict Cumberbatch is a gay cowboy. So I'm like expecting almost like a broke back mountain type thing. And it is so not that. And no, it's not. It's so I was sitting there and, uh, you know, early on I was like, okay, this isn't what I thought it was, but I'm really digging this. Like the tone is, is pretty dark. This guy is an asshole. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we'll get into a lot of, but like, technically there's a lot to like here. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, um, yeah, I also didn't really know what you're getting into. And this movie, this movie is, um, let's talk about like the look, the feel, the tone of this movie. Cause I think that's most of what this movie is, is tone. It's definitely a slow burn movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it is, it is of course like, you know, a period piece of sorts. And, uh, I think they did a really good job um, capturing the look and the feel of those times and how kind of um, kind of bleak it is and how like um, and especially like how uh, women are treated and of course the young boy is treated because of his uh, you know more feminine nature in the movie mm-hmm. and how he's looked down upon like being around like these ranch hands and things like that and just like like uh, like the message of the movie like the toxic masculinity and Mm-hmm. Um, just how damaging that can be. And I think that this movie like carries throughout a, a look and a feel and a vibe. Like it's very consistent and it's very tense, like tension in this movie. Like they do a really good job making you feel uneasy, especially every time Benedict Cumberbatch walks into a scene, you're like butthole tightens up. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, going off of that, I really like the vibe for it. Like you're saying, it's dark. There's a lot of tension. Um, one thing in particular that I think definitely enhances it, other than the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch's presence in every scene is is pretty intense. The score on this movie, I love. Like, I that was something that I was not really expecting. And because uh, I, I feel like sometimes you get to like, you watch these like, you know, Western movies and some of them sound a lot like the same and, uh, but love the music in it. And then I looked up who the composer was on. It was Johnny Greenwood who does like most of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. And, uh, hmm. like, yeah, he's in like, there will be blood and stuff like that. So I was just, I was like, Oh, nice. Yeah. This guy's awesome. Also, I'm pretty sure this is the set second movie he's done this year. Um, maybe the third, Hmm. Let me let me look that up. No, he's done three. 
because he's actually done both the movies we're talking about today. He, he did the score for Licorice Pizza, and the other one that I'm thinking of, I haven't watched yet, but you have it, Spencer. But yeah, man, he's mm-hmm. he's a really good composer. And yeah. uh, I, I really like the movie on it. I really like the, the tone of it. And um, cinematography on this movie is pretty nutso. Pretty good. P- pretty, pretty good. I don't know if you thought that as well, but... Um, oh, yeah. Not just in oh. terms of, you know, oh, wow, there's really great wides in this movie but uh composition's really good on it there's a lot of scenes that i really enjoyed in terms of um kind of getting you in the headspace of multiple characters one that i liked a lot was um the way this shot is framed when kirsten dunst is playing the piano and you can see benedict cumberbatch playing his banjo upstairs and like Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a weird angle but also it's like super effective but yeah um, it's very like imposing and very like it's uncomfortable. Like they do a really good job, of, like making you feel uncomfortable, and they utilize not only the actors' skills but the camera and and tricks like that, the positioning and the composition, like you're saying. It, yeah, I, I definitely felt that when I was watching it. Yeah, for me, I mean, I think both of us we we want the same movie to win cinematography, which is Dune. But this was a movie where, like, when I was watching it, I was like. This has to be nominated for cinematography. Like this is, this is really good. Like it, it's standing out above a lot of things in it, and uh, it, it was nominated. Actually, Nightmare Alley was also. I don't know if we said that in the last episode, but um, these three, you know, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog. That's probably three of my top five movies this year in terms of cinematography. So, um, very happy there. Um. A lot of this movie for me, I'm going to have to go into spoilers to really like talk about. So, I'll, I mean, mm. I don't know what, what you want to hit. I mean, hmm, non-spoilers. I, I, all right. So this movie is the most nominated this year, right? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised by that. But then in hindsight, when I'm like looking through it, I'm like, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not super su- surprised because... I feel like the acting is very strong in this. I mean, a yeah. movie where you uh, you do have a slow burn, you you kind of have to have strong actors who can convey a lot of emotion, a lot of storytelling with little dialogue. And there's not a ton of dialogue in this movie. And I like I don't mind stuff like that. I can see other people like not necessarily loving that, but for me, I always can appreciate when actors can convey emotion and tell a story through body language and things like that. And this movie does a really good job with that. I think this movie is very well acted. Um, and the more I the more I think about it, costume design is on point. You know, the the cinematography is on point. I'm like, okay, this is a movie where. It's not necessarily like my style of movie. And um, it's, I'll just say this, and this is not a a comment on how good or bad the movie is. It's not like a favorite of mine for the year. I don't think, but um, I can fully see why it was nominated so heavily. I think they do a, a really good job at pretty much everything. But mm-hmm. for me personally, I'm not like necessarily wowed 
by any th- one thing in that. You know what I mean? Like they do a lot of things good, but I didn't feel any one thing was particularly like great. You know? Hmm. We we might be a little bit different on this because I will say this. Um, maybe like halfway through this movie, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, "This is this might be this year's Mank for me," where it's a movie that I like really respect from a technical standpoint, and I see all like the things that are really great about it, but it's not something that I'm gonna want to like rewatch, and mm-hmm. maybe it's not really connecting with me all that much. But I feel like this, you know, kind of similar to what we were talking about last episode with Nightmare Alley and stuff. Uh, the ending on this movie is so strong and so strong that it made me want to go back and rewatch some stuff because, uh, man, it's hard to get into, into you know, with it's hard to not talk spoilers with this. But um, there's a thing that happens at the end that recontextualizes a lot of the movie. And then if you go back and you rewatch a lot of it, this script is so tight and the editing is so smart with what they decide to to show you and not explain to you and just hope that maybe you piece it together in your head. But yeah, there's a lot technically that I love, but then also I think this movie has a ton of rewatchability, which makes me actually like it. I liked it more on a second viewing uh, than I did the first time. And again, halfway through this movie, I think I was feeling similar to you where I was like, this really isn't my cup of tea, but there's a lot of things that I'm going to like about it. But my feeling changed on it completely, but I won't, I won't elaborate until we get there. But um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you mentioned acting all four of the main players in this movie are nominated for, for awards. Both Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee are nominated for supporting actor. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is nominated for leading actor and Kirsten Dunst is nominated for a supporting actress. So um, you know, great, great acting in the movie all, all across the board. Now, I think Benedict Cumberbatch might be the front runner for actor. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, he won. And if he did win, I wouldn't be upset. Um, there might yeah, be I one more. That. I was going to say there might be one other performance I like more, but he is great in it. My favorite person in the movie involved, like just in general, I I love Jesse Plemons in this. And mm-hmm. yes, he's the good guy, but I, I kind of realized this about Jesse Plemons while I was watching this movie. He's great in everything that he does. And I think the reason he's great is because he never overplays his roles. No. Yeah. He's he's very like you never see him overacting. He is kind of a I don't want to say even keeled. But I just feel every time I watch him in a movie, other than like Game Night, where like obviously he's very over the top, but in most of the movies that you watch him, you're like, this guy's a real person. Like he just feels yeah. real the entire time. And uh, honestly, out of everyone in the movie, he probably has the least presence because he's in the beginning and then he kind of just pops in here and then later. But he might be my favorite. Interesting. Interesting. Now he's a supporting actor. Yeah. Like, did he get the nomination for that? I'm sorry. You said. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, um, he's always been a kind of under the radar guy. He's like one of those guys who shows up in everything. And like, maybe he's a name that not everybody like immediately remembers, but he's like one of those guys that you see him and you're like, oh yeah, he's good in things. But I always <laughs> yeah. forget that he's, he's there. 
And he's a guy who for years, even for me, I would, I was, I was like that. I wouldn't remember his name, but I'd be like, he's in a lot of good stuff. Like, I think I like him. And this just like continues to solidify that. Like he, he doesn't really miss his performances are steady. He's consistent. He's a very consistent actor. And I think he's a, he's a really good actor. Mm -hmm. And I think he does usually have supporting roles. And I think he just nails that down. And he knows that if he's in a movie where he is acting against somebody who is a more either stylized character or over the top character that he does have to play it down a little bit. And, um, and he, he handles that so well without getting like completely lost in it. Cause like, obviously his character is important to the story, but yeah, no, he definitely deserves credit for his, his work that he does. Not only, not only in like things before that, but like, especially in this movie, mm-hmm. I don't know who else. I mean, we haven't talked about all the nominations and stuff, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know who else in that category I would put above him. I guess I'd have to see all the nominees and maybe like something will spark in me. I'll be like, Oh yeah, that person. Yeah. But I I can see him taking it home. And honestly, I could see Benedict Cumberbatch taking it home too. Like that's the thing. And I actually did forget about the ending, but yeah, when the ending happened, I actually rewound it. Cause I was like, did I miss something? Like what, what happened? Cause it is kind of like a shock. Like it just kind of like cuts to, and then they're just like, Oh Yeah. So here we are. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> did I, did I black out? Like what happened? And then I realized like if I had just let it play for like three more minutes, it would have explained. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then it like, yeah, I do like that about the movie. That's the thing is me saying what I said before, I didn't not like this movie. Um, it just didn't have as big of an effect on me as some other movies I've seen right around that exact same time. Mm-hmm. So I think I was also like comparing it there, which is not right. You should just, you know, judge it on its own. Um, and also it's, it didn't grab me quite as well as some other movies. So I will admit I did have to pause it. I had to watch this movie in two different sittings. I hate doing that, but sometimes life, you know, just gets in the way. And if I do want to pay attention to it, I'd rather pause it and come back to it later then keep watching it while some other shit's going on. And then I'm not fully, I'm missing stuff, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, you know, one of the notes I have on this movie, that this might not be accurate. Cause I'm, I'm kind of generalizing. I don't really remember all of them over the last couple of years, but out of all these movies that are like bigger movies that, you know, got nominated for Oscars that went to Netflix, this might be the worst one to watch on Netflix. Like, And the reason I say that is because this movie doesn't hold your hand with, with anything. And I think I may have mentioned in terms of, uh, I think it was nightmare alley last episode, just saying that the the script was super tight and like, there's a lot of like hidden stuff in the movie. This movie has more in it. I think that's hidden than nightmare alley. And this one really reminds me a lot of just how this movie reminds me in terms of its script, a lot of get out in terms of how tight it is and all the clues sprinkled in throughout the movie and what you might be missing. And I watched Mm -hmm. this interview with the editor and, um, he, he basically like broke down like, yeah, cause this is based on a book and he broke down like 
yeah, this is like what it says in the book. And basically it's like, okay, th- I'm just going to open up some spoilers because we'll, we'll yeah, eventually get that. to it anyway. But he literally says he's like, hey, he, this kid, like in order to basically save his mom, which he is, was trying to do, he realized that this guy could not be around. Like she would be mentally unwell as long as he was around. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, and knowing all these things about him, the way he, he works on animals, the way he won't go near uh, dead animals, his fear of anthrax, this and that, he realized that the only way that he would be able to do this is to go find a dead animal, which had anthrax, get the hot, like basically they explain the entire thing, like his entire plan basically out. And they don't do any of that. Like the, I think when, when Benedict Cumberbatch first dies in this movie, you're almost like, whoa, was that accidental? And you're kind of like, you're not like, he's sick. And you're like, is he going to die? And then the next scene, he's in a coffin. You're like, he died. Holy shit. And then they just show you uh, Peter's face. And he looks down at his mom and Jesse Plemons and they're happy. And he smiles. And then you're just like, that motherfucker actually killed him. Like, and, and like, it's, it's that like very subtle. They're not, you know, spelling it out for you. But then when you go back and watch the movie on a second viewing, they show you so much detail is in this movie that is just planting the seeds the entire time. And I feel like watching this on Netflix, you know, people, they take their phone out, they go to the kitchen, whatever you miss so much. And I was just like, you're not gonna get the the full effect, like for real, with this movie. You're gonna miss so much if you if you're not like glued to the screen. And uh, right. so yeah, I I kind of feel like this movie actually, um, you know, th- there's some movies where I'm like, yeah, you can watch that at home. This one, I really wish I had actually watched it in a theater the first time because I don't think it was meant for Netflix personally. But yeah, for me, the ending makes the movie similar to a few other ones and. I love that you can go back and watch all of it, but also, you know, it, again, we, we had mentioned, or we had talked about get out or not get out. We had talked about don't look up last episode and how that was trying to say something, but it was so on the nose of what it's saying. I think this movie actually has a lot to comment on and it's not doing it in your face. And it's very natural from the characters. Like obviously there's a lot going on with like masculinity and the way Benedict Cumberbatch is acting because he's upset, you know, with himself about a certain thing and, you know, alcoholism and yeah, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of, Oh, Kirsten Dunst. She's great. She's so good in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's nominated also for, uh, I think supporting actress is what, she, yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's nominated for a supporting actress for this. She's practically the co-star of the movie. It's pretty much Benedict Cumberbatch and her. How is that a supporting? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I guess, I don't know. They they have everyone supporting for this movie except for Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and uh, whatever. Yeah. I was going to say, like, again, going back to last episode and talking about relations and stuff between characters, I also really like kind of how um, the relationship between the son and him kind of like blossoms in, in a way. And again, going back and watching it, it's really dark. But he you know, basically has to closet himself and he has to keep up appearances as something to all of, you know, the people that work for him and this and that. And he hates himself for that. 
And there's a scene where um, they're basically like hazing the son and he's kind of just like, he deals with it. It's after he's at the ranch. And that's kind of the part where he's like, Benedict Cumberbatch starts to like the kid because he admires him because he can be like, he's okay being himself, which is something that he wishes he could do for, for him, if that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's actually like really cool. So like this entire time on your first watch, you're watching kind of like this quote unquote friendship blossom. But really it's Benedict Cumberbatch is trying to get close to this kid because he feels a certain way about him. And the kid is literally just trying to get close to him to figure out how he can murder him. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That is that is really sweet. I, I do like that. Yeah, I think this is a movie that definitely warrants a second watch to kind of better understand certain themes and things that are happening. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you're like the first time you're watching it, you do think it's one thing. You're like, oh, are they like falling in love? Like, is this is this genuine? You you do believe it's genuine because you have no reason to think that it's not. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then yeah, that turn. But then when you go back and you think about like certain things that happen, like especially with him, like dissecting the animals and things like that and his studies, then you're like, oh, I got you. I see where he's going with that. You know, like it does all come together very nice and neat at the end. So yeah, I will, like I said, I did not dislike this movie whatsoever. I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was my viewing experience of it. I just wasn't like super duper high on, I think, it sounds like you might be higher on this than I am, but um, do you have any other notes or do you want to hit tomato tomatoes? Um, we can we can hit tomato tomatoes. Yeah, for, for me, like, again, I think the majority of the movie, I was kind of like, I feel a certain way about this, like, technically awesome, maybe not my cup of tea. And then the ending happens and I was like, oh, 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 fuck. And then like, this movie actually stayed with me for a couple days after watching it. Like I thought about it and I rewatched it and I was just like, damn, that's awesome. Like, like I said, some really subtle stuff, but like the son's always wearing gloves. It's because he's playing around with dead animals, like trying to figure out if they have anthrax <laughs> and, yeah. and stuff like that. I was like, that's really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you th- Definitely for this one. You think it's it's one type of movie for the majority of it, and then it ends up being something else. And you know, I I think this movie has a lot of the stuff that you know the the highfalutin movie critics are gonna be like, oh my gosh, look at all that. But I also think that it's got kind of like the the weirdness and the dark like darkness that a lot of the movies like appeal to me. And uh, mm-hmm. I do love the rewatchability of it because that's the thing is a lot of these like snooty like art movies that get nominated. I think like I, I think I said this either this mo- uh, episode or last episode, but they don't have a ton of rewatchability for me. And I feel like this is that type of movie. But on top of that, it's got all the layers that will make you want to go back and rewatch and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I enjoyed this much more than I actually thought I was uh, when I sat down to watch it. So. Like I said, it, it stuck with me for a few days. You want me to get into Tomato Tomato? Yeah, let's hit it. Power of the Dog. It's the Power of the Dog. The critics, they're bringing this out at 94%. Tomato. Tomato, the audience, they're bringing this out at 79 So you got an A to a C+. Plus. Hmm. A to a C+. Plus. C+. Plus. Okay. Then I will say Tomato. Mm-hmm. 
I believe it's closer. Oh, yeah, I think it's closer. We're talking, we're talking just a couple. Uh, so I'm kind of in the middle. That's why I was like, I think I am closer to an A. Um, so I, I gave it a B plus. Nice. So yeah, that's that's definitely that's only two grades below an A, and that's what three grades above a C. Yeah. Plus. Hey, yeah, you Gucci. Yeah. Yeah. I'm House me- of Gucci. <laughs> I'm pepperoni nipples. I'm pre- yeah, I'm pepperoni. Pepperoni nipples is the new saying for I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. For me, I went tomato and I went A minus. I didn't talk bad about this movie at all. Technically, I think it's great. The thing for me that like I, I wish was a lot better was I don't really feel much for any of the characters. Like I think um, emotionally this movie for me might just be a little hollow. And I think that might be me because I think a lot of it you feel bad for the mom and stuff like that. And I think on, you know, se- second viewings, you feel more for Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Cause his character is pretty tragic, but at least, you know, first viewing. And I was kind of like, why is this guy an asshole? And then, you know, he is the main character. And when he, when he bites the bullet at the end, even now, like I kind of don't care. I think that's almost like he dies. And I guess it is tragic that he died because he lived his life a way that he shouldn't. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but the boy wanted his mom to be happy. So, like, now the mom's happy. But I don't know. Like, it's just this weird combination. Like, good happens for one person, but not another. And I'm just kind of sitting in the middle. Like, I guess that's that. Like, I didn't really feel one way or another about uh, yeah. about that. So, um, yeah, I gave it A-. minus, Almost gave it an A because uh, I actually did really like it. I thought <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, there are a few scenes of this movie that I think are unintentionally funny. I don't know if you felt yeah. that as well, but there's just a couple like the part where the boy sees him in the river and then oh. the Cumberbatch sees him. He yeah. just runs out ass naked and just goes, get back here, you little bitch. <laughs> I started laughing. At that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's a couple scenes that like made me laugh and they were not supposed to. So nice. So we actually weren't that far off from each other. Then we were only off by like a grade. Yeah. Like I said, I almost gave it an A. Yeah. I was pretty solid on the B plus all the way through. I was like, yeah, I'm happy with that grade. If it wasn't for like the ending and changing a lot and all like the stuff that I missed, I, it probably would have been like a B, B plus. And then, I don't know, just the ending really changes a lot of stuff on that movie. And I loved it. Yeah, it is. It is nice when that happens. Let's uh, let's get into licorice pizza, though, because I think this is the one that we were really excited to talk about. So, yeah, I um. There's another one I saw a while ago, but I actually got to see this in theaters. I think you could only see it in theaters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. It's always mm-hmm. always an event when he's making a movie. I think people typically either love or hate his movies. Like I feel like his movies are probably open for a lot of people to really not get them. <laughs> yeah. And uh but also other people to just be like, that was incredible. Um and uh you know what I love about this movie too? Like your main two stars in the movie have never acted before. And uh I think more and more the last like couple years I've realized like when they can find like a non-actor and make them great. And granted, I think both Cooper Hoffman and uh Alana Haim are probably gonna act more after this. It is really cool yeah. when you see someone who basically has no resume and then come out and they just fucking kill it. So for me, that was really cool. Also, Brianna really likes their band, uh, which I think is just called Haim, right? 
Yeah, um, and Erheim. all of the sisters, they are, that is the band. All Her sisters in the movie are her real-life sisters who are also in the band. The band, yeah. Is it Haim? I think it's Haim, right? Or is it? I think it's Haim. Oh, is I it? I might be okay. wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Well, one of us nailed it. Um, <laughs> Somebody got it right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, it stars both Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman. And then there are a lot of people peppered in this movie. The way the movie's structured, we'll get to, but pretty much every set piece has one big name at least show up and play a role. And so many of the people involved in this I really like. And uh, oh, I just dude, love seeing just, them. I'm sorry. That just made me realize Nightmare Alley has three people who are in two nominated movies. So Kate Blanchett is in Nightmare Alley and Don't Look Up. Ron Perlman, same thing. Bradley Cooper. I forgot. He's he's in this. Yep. Yeah. He's he's really good when he's in this movie. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, Bradley Cooper, like Benny Safdie, uh, Sean Penn. Wait, are you talking about Benny Safdie from Anka Jams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've seen that, right? Yeah. You, I think you sent it to me, actually. Anka Jams. <laughs> But yeah, man, so many, so many uh, good cameos in this movie, and uh, let's just let's just get into it because I think if you listen to the show, you you'll know that I typically really like these. You you would say that this is a coming of age story, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, for sure. like you know, it's like a great you, way to describe it. Yeah, like for me, between me blowing my load for Ladybird, and you know, even when we talked about maybe even like the first uh like it and stuff like that like coming of age stories really uh like resonate with me for a reason even like spider-man homecoming which you can you can kind of consider that as well um mm-hmm. but uh i think when i watched the trailer i got some ladybird vibes from this so i was very excited and um i don't know where exactly we want to start i might just start this the exact same way that i started with uh nightmare alley and just say like aesthetically tonally Man, he fucking captures this time and mm. place perfectly. And like yeah. obviously we weren't around in the 70s in the valley, but like uh it looks so authentic to like pictures and stuff. And then I've actually gone back and like rewatched or watched some some interviews with people like not even involved in the movie, just like uh either other critics or like people like doing interviews who actually lived in the valley at that time and they're just like man like you fucking nailed it like it looks so good and uh yeah. are, which are we which, even surprised like paul yeah, thomas anderson is great mm-hmm. and also what i thought was cool about this movie in particular like yeah he captures that that vibe and that scene and everything but it's also nice that it's it's such a tonal shift not only that he nailed the tone but the fact that it's such a different tone than the rest of his catalog and all of his work prior, because he generally does like really kind of heavy dramas, you know? Yeah. I think uh you know there's there's some of his movies that I really, really love. Like uh, you know, Let There Be Blood is phenomenal. There will be blood. What did I say? Let there be blood. I think uh, you're no. thinking of Let There Be Carnage. Which is also phenomenal. Yeah, that's true. No, There Will Be Blood, uh, I love. And then there's a couple other movies that I 
I really like. They're a little bit weirder, but and like maybe not um the most accessible. Like I like Inherent Vice. Um mm. and uh The Master is uh one that I, I enjoy, maybe not as much as other people, but like still I I don't think that's a super accessible movie. I think this movie yes, like film lovers are going to love it, but I think this is a movie that is probably maybe his most accessible. Like, I think this might be maybe his most mainstream, if that's even makes sense. I think narratively it does a lot of things that Mm. break down the, the norm for what like a screenplay should be. Like, I think it, it, uh, in some ways, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is very similar to like Tarantino and how he structures his stories and, and what he does with them. Um, so like, maybe this story itself isn't the most accessible, but I think just in terms of like the vibe and how this, this has more jokes obviously than typically his movies. I think this might be like more accessible or mainstream considering his catalog. Yeah. It's definitely like not nearly as weird. It's not nearly as dark and drab content wise. I think it speaks to a much larger audience and um, yeah, I think, a lot more people like more lighthearted films. And this is a very lighthearted film. This to me is like a perfect summer film. Like Mm -hmm. not in like the, you know, summer blockbuster sense of like big action movies and stuff like that. But this is like that. It's just fun and light and it's funny. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just cool. Like I, I like it and it's sharp. Like it's really sharp. Like the writing in it is, is, spot on and like yeah it's it's just interesting i i i really enjoyed my my experience watching this and um i love movies that play like almost like chapters in a story where it is kind of like um it's almost like an anthology where it's like it's telling a story of like basically the same two people but in these different chapters and the way it's broken up and uh, i don't think this is a big spoiler but like our two main characters um, it's like each chapter is basically a guy who is chasing after the girl that our main character is interested in. And like each chapter centers around this, this other person who is an obstacle between these two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved that as a device and I thought that was really interesting and it made it interesting to break up uh, the movie in that way. And, uh, and tell their story and like, you know, the ebbs and flows of their relationship, their friendship and whatever else is going on, which we can talk about at the end, but at the, the ending of this movie, Meg and I looked at each other. We we're like, wait, so just like statutory's fucking cool now. <laughs> I've seen a few people be like, your enjoyment of this movie is going to be how cool you are with like someone dating a teenager. <laughs> Yeah, well, we were saying, we were like, this movie would not fly if the roles were reversed. If it was a 25-year-old man courting a 15-year-old girl, or, you know, a 15-year-old girl courting a 25-year-old man, people would be like, uh-uh. But yeah. I guess because it's a boy to an older woman, like, what, we're just like, that's fine? I don't know. I, I've heard that. I think part of uh, why it works in some ways, and yeah, like, normally I'm not cool with it and I probably not really even cool with it with this movie either. But like, I think part of why it works is, you know, Gary is, is this like child actor, but he's also like an entrepreneur. Uh, but like the big thing about him is he's like 
respected by other adults in the movie as an adult, essentially like the way that he talks to them, the way they talk back to him. You almost lose that. This kid is like 15 years old, uh, based on just like how much swagger he has. And, uh, kind of the ventures that he's already like, like, you know, he opens up this pinball thing, the, the waterbed thing. Like you almost lose sight of him being 15 years old because of the way he's written. Right. Yeah. He's definitely, uh, an old soul. Yeah, definitely. I want to know how you felt about this though. Cause I feel like with a lot of, you know, just slice of life movies or like coming of age ones. Cause that was another thing I was going to say that this also, you could say is maybe just a slice of life type movie. And like going back to Lady Bird, a lot of that is just like you're watching moments in time, but there's a lot of them and it spans, you know, X amount of time. I think Lady Bird is a whole year and I don't remember how long this movie is. I thought this movie takes place over a couple years though. Um, but there's really only maybe like five set pieces to it, like five moments in time. And I wasn't sure, like, the set pieces stand out from each other, and, and there's always someone that shows up in them that is a huge standout. Like, Bradley Cooper's awesome. I love Benny Stafty. The, the moment with Sean Penn is so ridiculous that I loved it. But in some ways, I felt like having less of them showed the passage of time less. I, mm-hmm. I was wondering what I was wondering what you thought. I didn't feel like too much time had passed, although I guess... Yeah, with the with the the ro- rotating door of like relationships and people, like it's definitely a few months, but it's also hard to tell with LA because like the weather is a little bit more consistent than a place like New York, where it's very obvious when it's fucking winter, and it's very obvious when it's fall, and it's you know like the seasons are more clear cut. So I think they get away with that there, but it does feel like it was a good amount of time, not too long. Like, but it's also interesting because you like. Is this kid even in school? You never see him in school. So <laughs> is this just like he's one wild other... summer? See, I, I thought that this movie took place over a couple of years. That was the that was the impression that I got, but maybe not. Yeah, because then there wouldn't be this thing about his age. Because then, like, by the time... Because we're, then we're talking about at least three or four summers. Then he would be... Because we meet him and he's 15. Then he'd be, like, 19. And so it's like... Okay, I mean... Yeah, it's still a little weird, but not crazy i just went and looked it up and it says unspecified amount of time (laughs) so i guess do whatever do whatever you will with that i just i think a lot of this movie you know is is showing you and we haven't even got to it but like the chemistry between the characters and the build-up to their relationship is so believable and so good you know a lot of this movie is just kind of like showing you the hurdles that they've gone through before you would it seems like they they made their way to each other kind of i just felt like I just, I don't know. I, I was kind of like, how long is this taking place? Are these, are these, all these things happening within the span of a couple months? Cause I would feel like they would be over the course of a couple years, but maybe not. Yeah. That, that for me was just like, it didn't bother me to the point where I'm like, I have to take points off of this or whatever. It was just something that I was kind of like, I, I wish that was, that was more known. Like, is this only over the course of a summer or, or what? Because, also, if it takes place over the course of a couple of years, I think people have less of a problem with the teenager part of it. Because at least if he hit 18, you'd be like, all right, it's OK now. But I don't know. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, no, that, that was that was just one thing. I'm like, I don't know what the, the passage of time is, but 
getting into like the acting and the characters though, I think when we talked about um, Promising Young Woman last year, we said that that movie probably had like the best dialogue, like in terms of feeling like natural and quippy and stuff. I think that's how I feel about this movie this year. Like I love their back and forth and their relationship and it's very believable, at least I thought it was. And even more so impressive that you had two people with their first acting credits under their belt. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think they did a great job and they didn't feel like amateurs. It is so weird seeing him though, because he looks and feels so much like his father, like Philip mm-hmm. Seymour Hoffman. Like he just, yeah, you can see so much of him in him and it's just like eerie, like not in a bad way. And it's obviously not his fault. Like he is his fucking son, but it's just crazy. Cause I love Philip Seymour Hoffman movies. And obviously he has such a close working relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson is basically in every movie he did. And um, yeah. with, with very few exception. Yeah. It's just crazy to see that coming down and you know, you never know how the next generation is going to be like, are they going to, and I don't, I wasn't even looking at it. Like, is he going to be as good as Philip Seymour Hoffman? Cause it's just like, that's not the point. It's just that, is he good at all? Like, I mean, I didn't know anything about his son up until now. Like, I didn't know if he wanted to be an actor, but I think he did great in this. And I think he, um, I think he, at first I was kind of like this overconfident kid. I like, I wasn't buying it, but as the movie goes on, I'm like, oh, okay. okay. I'm getting like a feel for this kid and like, what's, what's up and whatever. And I do think it's a little bit movie-ish, like a fucking little, like a 15 year old running an arcade and stuff like that. And having this business. And <laughs> yeah. Some of it, I'm just like, what? But I'm like, I guess it's the seventies. You know, you can fucking buy cigarettes at 16. So like who fucking knows, you know, I'm, I'm also pretty sure that, um, I could be wrong. Cause I don't know like his entire life, but I'm pretty sure Paul Thomas Anderson grew up basically in film business. Like his family was, and his, his dad and stuff, they were already in it. So he, he grew up kind of as a child kind of, in the industry. And I think he's taking inspiration from that in this movie in terms of just like what he saw from other people. Cause apparently in the seventies, everyone that grew up in that area, apparently like they all had like headshots and, and we're trying to do different, uh, you know, get different roles and, and do different ventures and stuff. So I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's hard for us to tell cause we weren't around, but I feel like, that is almost like his experience through a very specific lens. So like, yeah, to us, I I felt the same way. I was just like, how the, I mean, he does say like, yeah, my mom's my boss. Like I make all the money, but, uh, I was kind of just like, how are they like, what what, logistically, how are they making this waterbed business work? Like I, I don't get this, but, uh, I don't know. I I think some of it is movie-ish, but I also think some of it is rooted in like a real life experience too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is so much of this feels authentic that I'm like, I guess it's hard to argue, especially because I haven't been there or we haven't been there that it's not like that aspect of it. His character's as his character's, um, fucking aspirations as a businessman or whatever. Like who's to, who's to say that people weren't doing that, but it was like the only thing that like early on, I was just kind of like, like what the fuck? But, um, and then later it was, it was the, um, you know, the age gap of it all is just kind of like, mm. I'm like, if this movie, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to feel if this movie has a scene where this 25 year old fucks this teenager. <laughs> and I'm glad oh. that they didn't. I'm glad that I will say that I'm glad that they didn't 
Like, yes, it is a love story in an interesting, weird way, but I am glad that they didn't go full gross, like, cross the line type, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's parts that are definitely on that line, like the part where she just shows up and shows him her boobs. (laughs) Right. um, We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, yeah, no, there's parts that are definitely, like, on that line. Um... I I did want to, this is off topic, but I just have to say it because it jogged my memory. I was going to bring this up on the show at some point, but uh, if anyone's out there that wants to see something ridiculous that will make you feel like licorice pizza is like a okay all across the board, go watch this Disney channel original movie that is on Disney plus right now. And it's called blank check. Um, Oh, I've seen blank check. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, isn't that that's a movie from the nineties, right? Yeah, I haven't rewatched it since then. What happened there? So, like the the whole premise of that movie is basically he just he gets this blank check and he's like this child is like running this business and he's kind of conning everyone. Like everyone thinks that he is basically like he works for some big wig called Mister Macintosh. Blah blah blah. But anyway, the big thing is that. There's someone from the CIA or FBI investigating him and like investigating Mr. McIntosh. So they're trying to get to Mr. McIntosh through this child. And this kid is legitimately only like seven years old. And there's this like, like 20, like late twenties, early thirties, like smoke show investigating. And they go on like a date and all this and that. And like the entire time I was watching the movie with my brother, we were like cracking jokes. Like, Oh my God. Like, I can't wait till they fuck later. Ah! And then the last scene of the movie, basically he like comes clean to like the, uh, the woman. And then he's just like, he's just like, well, you know, if you were just investigating, like, does that mean that like you were just working during our date? And then she was like, well, at first it was, but then it's not really like, then it became something more than that. And he was like, really? And then, and then she was like, yeah. And then he's like, well, can, can I see you again? And she's like, come back in 10 years and he's like five and then she's like six and he's like okay and we're like he would still be like 13 years old and then she kisses him on the and then she kisses him on the lips i love it yeah i mean and ryan were screaming we're like what the fuck is this yeah i'm i'm into it you disney, got me. i'm sold disney, disney literally made a movie where they were like grooming is a-okay the mouse yep. loves it so yep but uh, it's that good stuff right there. <laughs> it's that good, good. But yeah, uh, getting back to licorice pizza, like, um, I don't have like a ton left that I want to say about it. But I think just from you know perspective of looking at Paul Thomas Anderson movies, uh, this movie looks beautiful. Uh, this movie is written super well. I love the dialogue in it. The acting is great. This movie's really funny too. Like. I wasn't like hysterically laughing like the entire time, but there are a few moments that are definitely off color, but I laughed really hard. There's one with that one guy who uh, deals with the Japanese clients all the time that like, I think I saw this movie in the theater by myself and I was cracking up at that. Like, this yeah, is so- that was awesome. Meg and I loved that too. Yeah. And he's, he's just doing this horrible Japanese accent. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what did she say? He's like, I don't know. I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> and I was just like lost at that point. I was like, fucking awesome. <laughs> so good. And, um, you know, 
we didn't even talk about this, but the people that show up, like obviously they don't take away from the, your main characters, but the people that show up, I feel like they really stand out in their, their moments and they kind of, some parts like, you know, inject a little humor into the movie. Some, some parts inject a little uh, drama, like the stuff with Benny Safdie is definitely uh, much more like emotional uh, and like, and hits you like in the, in the feels more cause you feel bad for him and he, and he is closeted and stuff. Uh, but then yeah. there's other parts like with Bradley Cooper, like the parts oh. with Bradley Cooper are hella tense. And that's my favorite. That's my favorite section of the movie is the Bradley Cooper. It's so zone. good though. And like, that's the thing is I think, uh, you know, after watching and thinking about the movie just as a whole, you're like, it was a lot of fun. Uh, really like the characters. But then when you think about individual moments, you're like this movie made me like feel like sadness at points. This movie, like it had me like, legitimately afraid for the characters at times. I feel like you really get a lot, uh, you know, in, from like an emotional standpoint from just the gambit of emotions um, in this movie compared to a lot. And I th- think, you know, some of my favorite movies of the last couple of years have been like emotionally hollow in, in some mm-hmm. ways. And this one is really not one of those. Even a lot of the, you know, the movies that were nominated for Oscars, I think some of them are emotionally hollow. Like that was my biggest complaint with Dune and, and this one, I don't know. I just, I got really attached to the characters and, uh, I think they do a great job of making different sections of the movie feel like, like big moments. Like they definitely stand out for different ways in terms of what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had a really good time watching this. This, this hit on a lot of levels for me. Uh, this is one of my, um, one of my better movie going experiences of the year. Like I, Really enjoyed it all the way through. Flew by. But, um, you know, I don't have much more. Oh, I will say there is a cameo appearance of a guy who is in a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And I'll just, I won't say who it is, but I will say what he's doing. He's dressed up as um, Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. That little quick cameo, is, that line was so perfect. I, I loved that. That <laughs> I laughed real good at that <laughs> but i won't i won't spoil who it is and what's happening but yeah you gotta when you see it you'll know and i think uh it'll tickle anybody um but other than that do you uh do you have any other notes or do you want to hit some tomato tomatoes let's uh let's hit them them ripe ones yeah tomato 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 the critics they're bringing this in at a 91 percent nice a minus, a minus. Uh, tomato. Did I say tomato? I don't even. Remember. I fuck this up all the time. But who cares? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Audience though, the audience they're bringing this in at a sixty-five percent. Wow, really low. Yeah. So you got a A minus to a D. Well, this will be easy because I'm going tomato, and I gave it an A. Nice. I also went tomato, and I also went A on this one as well. Nice. I like when we match like that. Quick and easy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, nice and easy. I um yeah, I really like this movie. I had a really good time. I'm looking forward to when it comes out. I would really like to watch it again. It's just a it's just a fun movie. Like I like that it's a fun movie. It's not too heavy, but it has it has some umph to it. It's got 
you know, it's got a little bit of everything for everybody. I, I think this is a really good movie. I don't understand the 65. I might go and hurt myself by looking at the audience reviews, like the written ones. But it's probably not wise. Yeah. I don't, I will say this. I like this movie a lot. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, it's nice that it's nominated, but I don't think it'll win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, I don't think Nightmare Alley is going to win. And I'd be pretty surprised if Dune won. Like, I don't think Dune's going to win either. It just doesn't feel like those are the types of movies that win. But I'm very happy that they're there. And I would love to be wrong on some of those. I have a feeling that West Side Story is going to win, and I'm going to be mad because they always do the thing that makes me mad. Whatever it is, <laughs> they true. always do that. It's true. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad we, glad we got to do this. Cramming in more of the Oscar movies. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I hope you guys are feeling crammed too, just like us. But um, yeah, I'm not. We're not 100 percent sure if we're gonna get to see every Oscar nominee nominated movie for Best Picture, but we're gonna do our best. And uh, yeah, we just want to uh, thank you guys for coming along for the ride. And we'll uh, we'll be back soon to discuss. Um, well, we got we got some 2022 movies that are coming in hot that we really want to talk about, but. You know, we got mm-hmm. duties coming up. We're going to have to talk about our Oscar predictions. And yeah, we yeah, are, um, we're, uh, we're working towards it. You know, we so, got, we got a bunch of good, like, you know, obviously the Batman's coming up, but X comes out this week. We're going to have to do a review on that. Hopefully. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff in the hopper. Yeah. I got you, man. So, uh, you know, fucking, do the damn thing, guys. Fucking follow, do the damn thing. Follow us and like us and subscribe us and fucking, you know, come back. Come y'all come back now. <laughs> y'all come back now, yeah. That's y'all, from- y'all come back now. We got a powerful dog here. <laughs> and nipple pizzas. <laughs> nipple, nipple pizza. And on that note, uh, suck it, swampies pepperoni nips. <laughs>